I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Michael Glassman. And I'm Roberta Walker. We're two landscape designers who've been working in the field for 25 years, at least. At least. And during this podcast, we're going to tell you all about our expertise and um, share stories. We're going to talk about what went wrong and what went right and the best way to get around um, to getting your landscape in as far as uh, environmentally, as far as money, as far as dealing with contractors. We're going to give you the straight scoop. That's what we're here for. And whatever we can do to help you make and create a wonderful, usable environment for your own place. That's right. Well, we're calling this rain, rain, finally, here in Northern California after the driest uh, drought in, um, I, they said, a decade. We yes. finally have rain. We and normally have 21 inches of rain, and last year we had eight. Yeah, it's quite amazing, and it is something that we need. And so um, we want to talk about that because a lot of people think, oh, it's great, it's raining. But then they fail to think about turning off their irrigation system for a while. Right. And, and so, it, so your sprinklers are going on um, in the middle of a rainstorm. Exactly. And I hate seeing that. I just hate seeing sprinklers because, remember, last year we only had eight inches. That's me. Well, I, I don't even have to say it. Look at our lakes. Look at our rivers. There's not much left. So... If we continue to water when it's raining, that supply is continuing to dwindle. So another recommendation, and we've talked about this before, but this would make sense, is it will come a time that everyone will have to be mandated to, and will probably be mandated to do it, is to get a different uh, irrigation or sprinkler timer. One that is uh, tied into the weather channels so that when it does, like for example, I have a Hunter HydroWise, and what happens is the minute it starts raining, my clock, my controller of my sprinklers shuts down. So if it was supposed to water on Monday and it's raining on Monday, it will, it will automatically turn the sprinklers off. If it, if it looks like there's more than a 50% um, chance of rain, it'll automatically shut the water off. So you don't have to uh, have to be out of town and it's raining and know that your sprinklers are also watering. Well, also, if you have an app like I do with the same Hunter, but Hunter's not the only clock that has that, um, you can be out of town and shut it down. And I shut mine down for a week. So you could also say, you know, when to stop it, when to start it. But um, it's really important to notice, you know, this is what, um, I don't know why they call about call um, taking care of your landscape or animals husbandry. But anyway, when we care for our landscapes and our gardens, we've got to be aware of everything it needs. And so um, water is wonderful. However, we're in for torrential rains and too much water is not good. So, so check your clocks, even if it means clearing away the cobwebs and opening the, <laughs> the, the face of it. Well, maybe it's in the garage. It's not bad, but do, do adjust the clock. Right. That, that's important. And also the, another thing that's really important is um, you haven't had to probably worry about it, but check all of your, um, you know, for drainage. If you have area drains, those are, they look like what's on the bottom of your shower where the water goes through. Check to make sure they're not covered in leaves. Um, that's one of the biggest problems with a lot of the cities. What happens is a lot of debris covers over the manhole covers and um, the drainage areas, and then you get these torrential rains, 
and the water comes in and all of the manhole covers and all the sewer lines are covered over with leaves and debris and the water doesn't drain so the streets flood out. And that's right. one of the most important things. Also in your own landscape, you may have bark or leaves or rock or something um, that has just kind of matriculated on top of your drain drainage outlets. And so when it does rain, and if we get a tremendous amount of rain, um, it's just going to flood because um, they're all blocked up. Well, you know, you reminded me of um, our, our gutters. Now, if you're fortunate to have gutter guards, I have gutter guards, but they don't work. <laughs> they're screens. They're not the expensive kind, but um, you reminded me because I'm going to have to get up there either. Well, I'm not doing it today. I've had a really long day, but tomorrow it's it's going to be raining off and on. But to clean out your gutters, because if they're full of debris and very often if you have a roof that's um, not concrete and not tile and it's composition, a lot of that um, those little tiny bits of gravel get into the gutter and that backs it up as well. And what happens is when it backs it up, the water will just flow over the sides. And um, in my case, I have not too far away, I have a under the house access. And if water gets down in there, it's under the house. It's not good. And it's everything, you know, it stays wet down there. So because the rains are coming, do check um, your drains and also check your gutters, you know, where the downspouts come down from the roof. And um, one more thing, I have cats, I have outdoor cats, I have one indoor cat, and I do have a patio, but when the rain comes down like crazy, it splashes everywhere. So what I do, it's a cheap and easy fix. I go get a roll of the heavy duty plastic from the paint department at the you know hardware store, mm -hmm. and staple gun it up and make a little sunroom for them. So that's a cheap and easy way if you have outdoor cats or animals where, they, you know, it's not cold right now. And even during the rain, it's not cold, but they like to get out of the water. So um, if you don't have a sunroom or a place, you know, where they can shelter, just get a staple gun and some plastic and make them a little sunroom. They'll love it. And while we're talking about things to do, um, we're heading into, and we are in fall, and there are certain fall chores that you can do. I mean, there's a lot of things we want to talk about in this podcast, but one of the things that I was going to say is um, if you're do thinking about doing, besides pruning, that's something we'll talk about later, but if you want to do some new planting, fall is one of the best times to buy fall color um, and shade trees that turn beautiful fall color because um, some of the shade trees, um, they can do a myriad from a red to an orange to a burnt orange to a, um, a maroon or a purple. And you really can't tell um, from looking at the plant until it turns its color. So in the fall, if you go shopping for a shade tree that's going to give you fall color, the best time to do it is when they're starting to turn color. That's right. And don't hesitate to take pictures around your neighborhood and take them to your local nursery and say, what is this? I love this. They'll tell right. you what it is. Yeah. So, exactly. um, and, and even it's, if it's the same species. So, for example, a Chinese pistache, and there's one that's called Keith Davies. If you go to the nursery, you might see five different um, pistache trees, same variety. But in those five, some are more of a, a burnt orange, some of them are more of a gold or a yellow, some of them might be a dark red. Um, each tree reacts differently 
to the colors. So they're not all the same just because you buy the same specimen. And that's why when you go to the nursery, especially if you're looking for fall color, go and pick out your plants as they're turning because that's what they're gonna turn when you plant them in your garden. Whereas if you just buy, oh, I'm gonna buy Chinese pistache and expect it to be a certain color, um, you might be very surprised because when it when it does go into fall color and you've never seen it before, it may just be gold and you go, I wanted red, not gold. Well, I my Chinese pistache, I actually, when I drove in this morning and um, it was wet after the rain, uh, my Chinese pistache is a glowing ball of red orange. It's absolutely fabulous. And um Chances are, if you do get a Chinese pistache, the Keith Davies is known to be, you know, even more explosive. However, I found that they're much slower growing. I don't know if you found that, um, Michael, but um, it, it, chances are, whatever Chinese pistache you have, it's going to have beautiful fall color. And let's right. let's say it's close to maybe a ginkgo or or um, birch that go bright yellow. I mean, it's yeah. common absolutely stunning so it's nice you know it is nice for planting to plant in groups but when it comes to trees you can mix it up and think about what they do in the fall and also think about the trees that do nothing because it's nice once those beautiful leaves fall to have a backdrop of something green evergreen absolutely so i mean those are the kind of things that people say well um if each season what should i be doing in the season well um, planting in fall is a great, a great time to do some of the planting, but it's also a good time to do some of your pruning and your cutting back of your perennials. But as I said, what I mentioned earlier is I like the fall because we've gone through a very hot summer where it went to 105, 107 degrees and trying to plant during the summer, you stress your plants out. But in the fall, it's cooling down and as we said earlier, we're actually getting rain. So it's a really good time to think about planting in the fall. You're not going to plant your perennials and see a myriad of colors. But I will tell you, even at the nurseries, um, some of the perennials are on sale because they're going out of bloom rather than in bloom. But you can get the best deals for planting your perennials in the fall. And then in spring, they start blooming. Well, Fall has become my favorite time for planting, and I'll tell you why. Spring is beautiful, but where we are in Northern California, our window of spring has become so short that often we come out of the winter and we want to do spring planting, and three weeks later the heat comes on and pretty much withers everything. So fall, we have kind of a long stretch if, if your plants go in now they'll have a couple months to kind of start rooting in. They'll go through the winter. You know, once we drop below a certain uh, temperature, they just kind of hold hold the fort down. But then come spring, they're going to think that they've been in for a whole year, and they haven't. Right. They've just been in for a few months. So fall is my favorite time to plant. And, uh, Michael, you are so right. I saw um, sales from the nurseries. I'm Laura Petalum. Nandinas, these are things that have fabulous color and they are evergreen, but they do change colors with the fall. So um, another thing, <laughs> I have been wanting to do certain things in my yard. I, I need to redo these laser drip in a certain line, uh, part of my yard. I can't even dig. But now that the rains have come, I kept thinking, as soon as the rains come, I'm going to be able to dig. As soon as the, the rains are here. So during the week after this weekend it's clearing up and if you have things that you want to plant things that you want to change this is the time to do it because your soil should be 
should be much more workable than it's been all summer. Absolutely. And, and she's absolutely right, because during the summer, between besides the heat, the ground is like rock hard. Once you get start getting the rains and it softens it up, it makes it much more pliable and easy for planting. I agree 100 percent. And yeah, um, yeah fall, fall by far is my favorite season because you're right. I mean, used to be spring started in March and um, we would get it, you know, and it would stay in the 70s. There have been um, April and May where it's been 92, 98, um, and yeah. you start putting these plants in there and they just shrivel up and lay over. Right. Um, if you have a garden, now's the time to pull your tomatoes. And you might say, wait, they're still fruiting. But, you know, with this rain, they're going to get a mold. And if you don't pull the plants out, it's going to um, infect other plants. So this is the time where even though there might be some green tomatoes left, um, pull them all out. It's time to do that in the garden. It's also a good time to plant your um, your winter garden. Lettuces, beets, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage. You could have year-round garden, and the nurseries will sell what you need. They're not going to be selling... Uh, things like cucumbers and peppers now. That's done. But they will be selling all your starts for your winter vegetables. Do you do you pull those out or do you actually um, rototill them or turn them into the soil? Uh, tomatoes you pull out because, um, yeah, you pull out because chances are by now, this late in October, they already um, have um, oh, powdery mold on them. If yeah. you look at these, you'll see they're kind of dying out. So just pull them out completely and put them in your compost. And um, they'll work there on a, a new level. You know, they'll be feeding the soil, not, not you know, your beds. Now, if you want to feed your soil and your beds, a great thing to do right now is to scatter seeds for, uh, um, for like, crimson clover. Um, I was just going to say I got a, I, I just feed, bought a package yeah. of, of clover that, you, that they said seed it in and then mix it. Then after it comes up, actually turn it over into the soil. Right. That's the kind of thing. And fava beans, because then it brings oxygen to the soil. So they're known as cover crops and there's lots of different types. One of my favorite places, if you have a vast amount of garden space um, and you don't want to buy these little packages, uh, you could go to groworganic.com, which is Peaceful Valley Farms. They're located up in Grass Valley and they sell bulk to farmers and to um, home gardeners. So if you don't want to buy small packages, you could buy a pound of this or a pound of that, a pound of wildflower seeds. So in the spring it comes up. So um, consider that it's um, groworganic.com. There are other companies as well. This is just something that's fairly local to our area i'd say for northern california but you'll have a surprise in this spring with beautiful clover crimson clover white clover if you're growing uh, fava beans you'll harvest them and you can eat the fava beans and um, then your garden's happy too because what you're doing is actually feeding it and if you don't want to seed anything and after the leaves come down i mentioned this before you could blanket your beds with leaves. It's full of nitrogen and microorganisms. Or um, I have a leaf chipper. We talked about that. So you can make right, your own right. mulch. And I think I mentioned before, um, I bought bags of worm castings. Yeah. Just threw it into our raised bed um, and then mixed them into the soil. And it was amazing how well everything did. Oh, they love that. And, and vermiculture is People think, oh, worms, they're going to be smelly. They don't smell. You could have a um, container with worms, and there's 
systems, um, you know, they're plastic and you put some coconut mesh or torn up newspaper and you throw all your kitchen scraps in there and they love to eat it and they give you the beauty of worm castings and worm tea that you could put right into your garden. So we were talking, Michael and I, right before our, the show about um, the news and how, first of all, how expensive everything is because of the supply chain and, and whatnot, um, but also that it's going to continue. So the more sustainable, you know, that you could be at home making your own compost, growing your own vegetables, it's the way to go. Absolutely. And, um, you know, is it, the realization and what Roberta had said, the realization is, is that we, we keep thinking and I've got clients that have been putting off projects, i.e. like a swimming pool and thinking that in the next year or so, the prices are going to go down. And unfortunately, they're not going to go down. They're probably going to go up. The only way that we would actually see like a swimming pool price go down is if they cut off the supply of water and you are on uh, rationing of water, then people wouldn't be putting in swimming pools as readily because there's your, your supply of water would would be used up. And so um, in the 90s, that's exactly what happened in California. We went through another drought and uh, we were on rationing and the swimming pool companies were going out of business. So instead of the prices going up, they actually went down the lowest I've ever seen them. But the minute that everything went back to normal, the prices just went sky high. And now they've doubled, tripled, and even more um, for, for swimming pool. Yeah, they're insane. It's yeah. absolutely insane. And, um, and you know, pools, how many gallons? I mean, there's several hundreds of gallons of water that goes in the pool, right? At least 10,000. Right. And then when we have the temperatures that we have, the evaporation rate is huge. So, you know, back I mean, it's not either. unusual to see a pool um, uh, that's that doesn't have a cover on it lose like three to six inches in the middle of summer per day. That's how much evaporation you get because you've got this big expanse of water um, and you've got 105 degree temperature beating down on it, it's going to evaporate. And you can actually look at evaporation rates and where you used to think, uh, clients used to think it's a, it's a leak. It isn't, it's just evaporation. Yeah, we used to have, and we still do, um, have community pools. <laughs> so if you're not prepared to spend $100,000 and wait the months to get a pool in, Consider, you know, joining your local YMCA or your public pool. There's some really nice ones in our area. So um, you might think about that because it's not going to get cheaper, not for a while. And landscaping as well is not inexpensive anymore. Everything, and I think what I read, it's going to the supply chain and the people, yes. um, you know, the lack of people to unload these cargo um you know, uh, big boats and, and whatnot. So, and they say food is going up. So again, put your winter garden in and also support your local farmers by going to the farmer's market. I agree. I agree. And even the nurseries, the prices of nursery plants retail has gone up. And a lot of it has to do with, again, um, the supply chain, as you were saying, well, the problem is, is that as fast as they're growing them, 
that's how fast they're selling them to the point where they're running out, in which case, whatever they do have, they'll jack up the prices so that they can keep at least, you know, um, enough money to make a profit and, and pay their employees. But that I was talking to one of the local uh, wholesale nurseries, and they're really nervous that they're going to run out of a lot of the plants that they're growing in the wintertime because they said they're moving out so unbelievably fast this fall that they can't even keep keep up with it. Right. Well, folks, there are seeds and packs, and that's the way to really economize because a pack of seeds, well, I can't even plant all the seeds in one pack for tomatoes. My goodness, right. you know, I'd have to open a family business of tomato sauce. But um, seeds do just as well. Now, of course, the warmer things have to be started inside. You have to read the packet, but um, it's it's a good thing. If it's not something you've done, consider researching it. And there's so much available from books on the internet, YouTube channels about how to have a garden. If you've never had a vegetable garden, herb garden, they're going to show you step by step how to do it. And um, there's nothing that feels better than harvesting from your own garden. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I as designers, both Michael and I are asked almost every time we work with clients, how much do you think this is going to cost? And I've gotten to the point where I just can't, I can't even ballpark anymore. No, because no. Everything's changing, you know, and I, if, if you give them one, if you give a client one number and it comes in higher, it's all, you're giving them false hope. Right. And what happens is you basically can tell them as a designer, um, I, I don't do construction anymore. And when I did, prices have changed and they fluctuate on a regular basis. A lot of the contractors are also, what's an interesting thing is they're starting because they're so busy, they may not be able to start a job for three or four months, but they'll book the client, they'll get a, give them a bid and they'll basically say to the client, listen, Here's the here's the deal. I can't start your job for three months. If you sign with me, you put a small deposit down. But what I will do while I'm waiting to start your job, I will actually try to start purchasing some of the materials, whether it be tile or or natural stone or things like that. Because the biggest problem that we're finding is, okay, you wait three months for a contractor. Now they're ready to start your job, and they go to buy their buy your materials, and they're all sold out, and they can't get it. So they're telling you. I can't get some of your materials for three or four months. What they're now starting to do is say, okay, if you sign with me um, in three months, I'll be starting. But what we're going to do is I will give you the receipts and everything. I'm going to try to buy as many of your materials and store them early so that when we do start your job in three months, we have the, the tile, we have the wood, we have this, it's been stored so that we don't have to come back to you and say, okay, yes, we can start your job, but your fireplace is delayed, your barbecue is delayed for another four months, so you're going to be be without. And that's the one thing that I have to say, which is great. A lot of the contractors are doing that. They're buying the materials or starting to try to buy the materials in advance, as well as try to go for permits way ahead of time so that when they do start the job, again, so that they don't have to wait a month to get a permit, they've got permit in hand, they've got materials in hand, and they can just run with your job. That's true. My contractors are doing the same thing. Also, after January um, into the new year, 2022, all the the rock and material uh, prices are going up. So they're stockpiling it now. And um, this is, these are things that you need to be aware of as a homeowner, because it, it, so many people are disappointed by having to wait 
But I'm here to tell you, if you don't wait and you don't put your name down with a deposit, you're going to wait even longer. Right. <laughs> and the other thing is, is if, for example, you're let's say you're you're planning on doing a travertino or a slate or a brick patio and um, you want to do the backyard at a later date, maybe six months down the line. My recommendation is what I tell my clients buy all the materials now put a 10 percent overage or a 15 percent overage, even if you're not going to do the back patio or the front patio for another three to six months, buy the materials. And the reason I say that is not only availability, but dye lots change. So for example, if you're buying like a porcelain tile and um, you're using the same porcelain tile in the front, but you're not doing it for six months, six months go by, you go to buy it. A, it's not available or B, they've changed the dye lot. So it looks completely different. And then you have the tile in the front and the tile in the back look totally different, even though it's the same tile. So what I tell people is, even if you're not going to do it for a while, buy the materials, store it in the garage, store it on the side yard, put a big tarp over it. And then when you're ready to do it, you know, you've got the same material and you're not going to be looking at it going, oh my God, that's a totally different color um, than I thought. And I wanted the same color as it's in my backyard. These are all in the planning. Well, I'm here to tell you that um, when we're finished the podcast, I'm going to go check my gutters and go get some plastic and start cheating my cats in before Sunday, where that's the day after tomorrow. We're in for a very big rain here in Northern California. So you have it. You have tomorrow, uh, today and tomorrow. If you need to batten down your hatches as well, check your gutters, check your grain, your drains. Um, if you have any outdoor furniture. You probably, I pulled all my uh, pillows in from that. Me too, me too. Do that as well, or else they'll be sopping wet. I mean, outdoor furniture, yes, could take the weather, but they'll be sopping and then they'll get moldy if um, they don't dry out. So, you know, pull all that and, and consider, you know, if you can't afford the, and I don't have them, the expensive covers for each chair and each table, I just buy the really heavy duty rolls of plastic and I tuck it in you know, under the chairs and whatnot. And uh, like I said, my, my, I said this last week, um, it becomes my cat's little conservatory, their little solar room. They love that. Um, right, but it also, right, it also keeps the table dry and the chairs. So it's all about rain. It's all about yeah. prices. It's all about life. And it's all about gardening. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it's all about planning in advance for everything now. In and, and you know the old saying, an ounce of prevention is worth two of the cure. Yeah, boy, that's, um, that's, an, that's, old saying. that's an old saying, but it, but it is, it is true. And um, we're here to help out in any way possible with what we know. And like we said in the beginning, we've, we've been through it and we've also been through floods. We've been through heat and we want to help you prepare in this ever changing world, which is life on earth. So yeah. I'm Roberta Walker. I'm Michael Glassman, and we are Digging Deep. Thanks for joining us.